You are Locked On Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here are your hosts, Matt Peck and Big Dave Watson. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Matt Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. You can follow my co-host, Big Dave Watson, at BOW, B-A-W-L Sports. Bow. You can follow us at Locked on Bulls and hit us up on that text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. We're very pleased to welcome back to Locked on Bulls, a guy who's covering this team all day, every day, on the beat for the Chicago Sun-Times. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Cowley Hoops. He is the <laughs> one that Bulls fans love to hate. Mr. Joe Cowley. Welcome back to the pod, sir. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. Doing great, man. Um, I got to say, you are in welcome territory because it seems like from some of your tweets uh, during this uh, this Bulls win on Wednesday night that you, like me and Big Dave, are, are a few of the people left on Big Vooch Island. What are your thoughts on... His bounce back games after that terrible night in Orlando and just sort of the story of what's going on with Vooch this season. Here's why why fans that are caught in the, the, the prison of now become stupid. <laughs> you will not find a big man in the NBA who is used to be in first fiddle, is now willing to play third fiddle, will score in the post, will shoot the three, Passes at that rate, and his name isn't nickname isn't Joker. Um, defends when he's interested at a, at a decent rate. There's times where he looks, you know, like a turnstile, but but we get that. You just, I, I'm just knocked backwards by the idea of well, he's soft. Hmm. Okay, well, first of all, he's not your typical Euro soft. He's not. He, this dude's not. He's not eating nails at night and and and, and crap and steal the next day. I get that. <laughs> But this is a team full of nice guys. Yeah. And he fits in with that group of nice guys. But the stuff that he sacrifices offensively from where he came from, from what he's willing to do in this offense and play third fiddle to the two guys that he knows have more talent than him, you don't find bigs like that that want to do that in the NBA. And if you do, tell me. Tell me where that is. And his, his contract is de-escalating next season. So let's go ahead and move off of that and bring in what? What would fit with those two guys like he does? It's it's mind-boggling how people have attacked Vooch because uh he's not joking. He's not what well, I mean, what do you what do you want him to be? What he does in Billy Donovan's offense is there are very few big guys that can do what he does. And so yeah, his, is he shooting down this year? Absolutely. Has he had some really bad Ugly nights, absolutely. But that dude wears it more than the fans do. That's what they don't understand. That dude has pride that they will not ever understand. He's not one of these dudes that's just like, ah, screw it. I got my money. I'm going home, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. He it wears on him, and there are just not a lot of guys with that kind of uh, makeup, both physically and mentally. And uh, this idea of trade Vooch for what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's uh, again, I understand the expectations were at a certain point when the season started. And then when you see what this team does 
your fandom kicks in, you get a little goofy, and all of a sudden you start start seeing stars where there's really only you know a couple stars. I get that, but let let let's let's have a reality check here. Let's check back in and kind of understand what he does, his importance, and and how valuable he is. Yeah, I kind I kind of want you to go into that a little bit more though, because Matt is right. I've been we've been on this show just saying everything you have said about uh, Nikola Vucevic, but I kind of want you to delve into always being a number one and then coming to a place where you're now a number three. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, how that will change you? Well, like, as a yeah, and how you yeah. reactivate it? Yeah, just look at the history of big guys that were number one or number two options and having to go somewhere and take a lesser role. Most of them get the ass. Most of them have the, the ass and want out of there. Okay. Now he came here last year thinking, all right, I got Zach and me, and we're going to work really well in pick and roll, pick and pop without knowing what the future was going to be. No one knew what, what, what AK's plans were going to be or who was going to be available. And so he's thinking, okay, it's kind of a one, you know, I know he knew what Zach was. Zach's a one A compared to his one B, but in his mindset, he was coming from an Orlando team where he was one A. And they had Gordon and they had some Fournier. They had some other nice pieces at the time that they made that little playoff run. Um, and so he came here thinking one thing. And when you see it, it, it was you didn't get to see a whole bunch of it because of injuries and COVID and Zach with that it was 11 or 10 games mm-hmm. at the end last year. That really sucked because that would have been important, um, mm-hmm. I think, not just in the in the playoff picture, but those two just playing together again. But he took a step back, understanding, okay, Zach is the alpha in that fourth quarter, and I have to understand to give the ball up. Now you add another piece to this, DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. And you could actually even say, and a fourth piece, Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. Now, Lonzo's not the scorer he is, but now you know, okay, my facilitating is going to be a little less because you have a true point guard. You know, you don't have Kobe White trying to be a point guard. Um, my, my pick and pop, I have to find my spots because DeMar kind of works in that area. So now I have to kind of know where to go. Am I going baseline? Am I going down in the paint? You know, DeMar likes to, to work that paint area too. So for him to do what he's done and not have the, 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 the gas face with the organization or with what his new role is, show me in the last 10 years a big that's done that and he's been okay with it. And that tells me that this guy is about winning, period. Does he have weaknesses? Are there some nights where you're like, I mean, the Miami game from last month was down in Miami. I mean, that was as bad as it got. I mean, you actually saw a guy out there emotionally breaking. And and I don't think he's used to that. I mean, afterwards, you know, he came, he talked to the media because he's a man. And he even looked broken up there. And I was the only one on that trip. And he, you know, between questions, he was just kind of looking at me, just kind of like shaking his head, not with the questions, just because he was so kind of distraught that he let not only the fan base down and his teammates down, but he let himself down. Mm-hmm. And, but there's not complaining. There's not, you know, I got to get mine. There's not, hey, Zach, get me the ball more so I could get in a rhythm. There's none of that. He just takes it and works on it. And whatever he gets dealt during the game, he tries to do his best with it. And so I don't think people understand that dynamic. Of, of what he's had to go through from a spacing standpoint, but also emotionally. So, I mean, I think something that's working in this Bulls team's favor, uh, despite all of the roster turnover in the span of a year and change, is just how quickly these, seemed, these guys have seemed to gel 
chemistry on the on the floor and off. Um, you know, Demar after the win on Wednesday said something similar to what we've heard before, which is despite his his dip in shooting percentages this season, you know, his good buddy Vooch, who he played college ball with all the way back in the day, he always has the utmost confidence that Vooch is going to knock down a big shot like the one he did that was the nail in the coffin for the Bulls win on Wednesday. Speaking of Demar, in addition to that leadership role that he's brought, you know, to a to a young team. Uh, playoff experience, a vet who's well-respected around the league. Are you surprised by just how dominant he has been on the court for the Bulls this season, Joe? Um, I'm not surprised because when you look at the numbers, the scoring numbers are obviously up, but I knew they were getting a forward slash wing that's going to facilitate his ass off. I mean, you look what he did at San Antonio, and that team was not very good. And for it to have a similar record to the Bulls, I think they were slightly better than the Bulls last year. That's the DeMar show. That's him getting young guys around him to understand winning basketball, impacting fourth quarter play, um, all the things that this team kind of needed, especially Zach Levine needed. I mean, you talk about the perfect Jedi master for Zach. I mean, that that's, 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 that's as good as it comes because he's got a resume that Zach could appreciate. He's not a big, so there's an understanding of, of what he does, but yet his play is different than Zach's where it doesn't step on Zach's toes. You know, mm-hmm. Zach's more inside, outside, where DeMar, we all know, is that that kind of maestro of the mid-range. So, um, and, and I think the biggest thing, which Zach has mentioned a couple times, is the calmness that he has when everything mm-hmm. around it is a frenzy, including Zach, who admittedly, gets frenzied in the yeah. fourth quarter of games when things are down 12. I got to get, I got to, I got to do it. I got to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's just a calmness that DeMar DeRozan is teaching him. Those are bigger than to me. Those are the more important things that have staying power. Um, the numbers and what he's done. I mean, we've seen, we've seen it. We just haven't seen it consistently because he always kind of, you know, had to play off of Kyle Lowry. You know, that was kind of the, the, the main guy in Toronto. And then when he got traded to San Antonio, if there's not Duncan and, and Ginobili and all those guys, you just don't see San Antonio on TV. You don't get to, you mm-hmm. see the numbers, you see the box score, but he was on a milk cart. And I, right. and I think we all forgot about him. So um, it doesn't surprise me. His, his, I didn't know the makeup of the man as much. So that's kind of surprised me is, is this dude freaking drove down to Iowa's freaking retired n- n- number retirement at Illinois. Yeah. The other night, even the other night, Orlando, Suggs freaking pimps his ass on that dunk. Mm-hmm. People can say offensive foul or not, but Suggs just does him dirty. Mm-hmm. And Demar after is like, no man, I, lo- I love his game. Didn't take it personally. He's like, yeah, I've watched him ever since he was back in, in, in Minnesota at you know Mini Ha Ha Academy, and then I watched him his year at Gonzaga because he's a student of the game. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear him talk about a guy like that, it's smart because you know all that stuff gets back to Suggs. They're playing in, in I think in a week. And, and Suggs is like, oh, okay, this guy, you know, there's a respect there and stuff. You know, I don't have to wolf it up like I did. because this. And I, and I think he just generally is a student of the game, appreciates the game, appreciates the young guys in this game, um, doesn't get caught up in the BS that maybe some of these young guys have. So there's just so many layers to him that are surprising to me because mm-hmm. I never covered him and I never dealt with him. You, you, you dealt with him on afar, and his reputation was – Really good player, couldn't get, get couldn't get by LeBron, mm. and got put on a milk carton in San Antonio. 
So I think he, you know, he talks about that chip on his shoulder. He came to tell the league, don't you forget me. Don't you forget what I can do. And he's doing that. We'll be back to our conversation with Joe Cowley in just a minute. But first, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just remember to use promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, we still got AFC and NFC Championship games on deck this weekend, plus the Super Bowl, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. It's all there for you at Bet Online. So don't wait to take advantage of all of their amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online, it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. We know. We kind of know what Zach has sacrificed uh, for this team, you know, as far as what becoming 1B to DeMar DeRozan. We, we just talked about what Vooch sacrificed, you know, being number one, yeah. now being a number three. What do you think DeMar has sacrificed uh, being now on this team with the Bulls? I don't I, – I mean, out of the three, he's probably sacrificed the least because right. he is – he is – I mean, you just look at the numbers, and, and all around the stats are close to Zach, but still – just the cold bloodedness he has in the fourth quarter and, and people don't realize it yet, but that mid range, it's great in the regular season where it's going to really become deadly is in playoff basketball, playoff basketball. They're playing you run you off the three point line or Mm -hmm. taking it to the rack. Mm -hmm. The mid range guys, CJ McCullough, Kawhi. I mean, the guys that have had a lot of success, success in the mid range, in the last three or four playoff runs, it, it, I mean, you see it, and it's helped them win series. So, um, to me, that's where it's a tough defend because you see those teams over and over. You watch the film. The mid-range is always the killer come playoff time. So, I, I mean, out of the three, he's he's sacrificed the least. But um, I think he came in here to be unselfish and to be a teacher and why would you want that sacrifice? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I don't think – I don't think he's had to sacrifice a lot. I don't think he's sacrificing shots when you look at, at what he's doing. Um, you know, they, they we, we joked on uh, with him after the game yesterday about hitting his first three since January 1st, and he didn't even realize it. And he said, you know, be honest with you, I don't go home and say, oh, I didn't, I didn't shit, I didn't shoot a three today. He just, yeah. He's just not built that way. So, um, yeah, so I, 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 don't, I, I think out of the three, he's definitely had to sacrifice the least. Talking about, you know, guys who need to operate in mid-range and especially come playoff time. I, you know, this Bulls fan base, you know how they are, Joe. You've covered this team a long time. I agree with you with your initial Vooch comments. They are so, you know, uh, prisoner of the moment at times. They are so overreactionary at times. Big Dave and I were doing, a, a you know, a live locked on last night after the win over Toronto. We had people in our co- – I was like, oh, this team is just bound for a first-round sweep and a first-round exit. And, like, just because we saw them for the second game in a row – struggle to close a game right. they cough up a lead down the stretch they did it against the thunder they did it again against toronto and i'm curious what you've seen in this recent you know two game sample size of yeah they have demar which is a closer option they did not have in all these seasons past when frenetic zach couldn't close games for them do you see an issue that needs to be addressed here is it the way that billy donovan is 
not adjusting because you saw Nick Nurse throw a very long lineup and tell his guys in that fourth quarter, blitz this team as soon as they cross half court or before. And whether it was DeMar or Zach, they were they were getting traps and they were getting stuck in corners and, and the Bulls offense fell apart in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and and I guess – and to me, it goes back to last season. We saw that teams do that all the time with Kobe and with Zach. Mm-hmm. Is blitz, trap them, blitz them, and, and let them spit it up. I mean, there were there were a lot of games last year that they blew because teams just started pressing yep. and putting pressure on them. And here's the thing. are Can they fix that? Yeah, it's going to be fixed because you got the Wolverine, Alex Caruso, is going to be back, and you got the, the silent killer, Lonzo Ball. Go ahead and try double-teaming the blitz and Lonzo Ball. Because his his ability to see the floor, you're playing checkers to his chess. And so that's going to be the remedy. Would Billy Donovan like this group to be better at it right now? Because there's certain times where obviously Lonzo is going to be on the bench and there's certain times Caruso is going to be on the bench come playoff time. Absolutely. You like to see Io and and, and Zach and, and and those guys figure it out. You know, DeMar's never been a great ball handler. He's, he's sufficient. He's solid. Um, but – yeah, I, I, it fixes itself when the team's fixed, you know, when the team's whole. So I, I don't think there should be panic over that. And getting to your point about, you know, the, the first-round sweep, the one thing I'll say about the East, you know, the West is top-heavy with those two top teams, Golden mm-hmm. State and, 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 and Phoenix. The East is nasty, one through four. If Cleveland continues to kind of, you know, do its thing, that's that's a tough playoff matchup just because of their length. I don't think they're mm-hmm. ready because of the inexperience. But so you you could argue definitely one through four are nasty, maybe one through five. I don't think it's a, a trip up in the first round, but styles make the fight so much in the East. Mm-hmm. And there's just certain teams that the Bulls really match up well that are that are dependent on their backcourt. I mean, the Bulls win healthy are a matchup nightmare for those types of teams. Your Charlottes with with Lamelo and you know they just match up really well against the team. Then there's those teams that we all know and I'm sure you guys talk about on a nightly basis scare the hell out of you. Even when healthy, you don't have that dog at that four spot to deal with Bam, to deal with Embiid. I mean Vooch isn't going to guard Embiid. That'd be a slaughter. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Cleveland's a little scary because of their front line size and and the difficulty. Um, you know, they've had, and then, and then Brooklyn's a different animal. I mean, they're built from the backcourt, which I think the Bulls match up well with, but mm-hmm. as long as you got Durant, you got, you got a problem mm-hmm. and you don't know, is it, is Kyrie vaccinated? Not that, you know, what's the artist doing today? Who knows, <laughs> you know? So, um, so to me, you know, I, I, I have to see the matchups before I get concerned as a Bulls fan, but mm-hmm. for the right, for the right now, for the tonight, for the, or tomorrow, I'm not that concerned because I understand what's missing and what's missing are guys that are really tough to blitz because they're smart, they're good ball handlers, and they'll make you pay when you blitz and double team them like we saw yesterday. Joe, I've been on this show constantly talking about the one thing I think this team is missing. And the one thing I think they're missing is a goon. And I think it's very, very important for them to have that because we've seen several examples, starting with the Memphis game when Tony Bradley got carried out the club. Yep. And then all the way over to Suggs, you know, doing this on his chest, you know, and talking crazy. Can you kind of explain that to people? Because I'm, I'm sure you kind of feel like I do. Can you explain the necessary need for an enforcer, you know, on this team? 
Yeah, and, and look, people are like, oh, you're a meathead. This isn't 90s basketball. That's not what this is about. Right. This is, this is about knowing that, all right, Grayson Allen, we're going to see you three more times, and we got a guy who doesn't care about a $2,000 fine. We got a guy that you're going to have to keep your head on a swivel, and you're playing a different game for four quarters if you're Grayson Allen thinking, this guy, I don't know about him. I don't know if he's going to do something or if they're not. Mm-hmm. He might he might not. They might he might not carry out the code red. But if it's in your head, you're kind of watching what you're doing. And just to have that presence, I, I will say this: this Bulls team, and the thing that does scare me come playoff time, they are it's it's like covering a bunch of choir boys. They are mm-hmm. as nice of star athletes as it comes. Vooch. Mm-hmm. Jamar's exactly. going around hugging everybody. Jamar, every game. They are the nicest team in the world, and that's great. That's great. If I didn't have to deal with Miami, and I know who's there, I know who's at Miami, Plenty and he's them. and he's a dick. Come playoff time, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Plenty of them. I know who's in Philadelphia. The, the, Joel can be a dick. Come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cleveland. I, I, I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about Brooklyn. I think they're kind of just. Um, mm-hmm. They, they are very unique in the star power, but I, I, of of all the matchups of those three teams I just talked about, I'd rather see the Bulls play Brooklyn than Philadelphia or Miami. And yeah. I don't care how great though. I I just feel like, you know, it's it just it's just that they don't have the dog. So yeah, you don't I'm not, you don't need a guy to come in and he it's it's not like in the '90s. I get that, but you need to have whether it's a guy like a Bobby Portis or t- like Tice was, that's going to put you on your ass and not help get you up and be like, welcome to the NBA. Right. And so, and obviously it'd be great if you have that at the four. That's why this whole Grant, Detroit, I get it. But does he fit, really? He's a, It's another score. He's not a dog. He's a pretty good defender. He doesn't have a reputation as a guy who's, who's, who's going to bite your leg. And, what, and you have to give up all that to get him? I don't know. I, you know, I'd knock the, the tires on Larry Nance Jr. And I, I'd knock the tires on some other guys before I, I think about that. So um, you need a guy that's going to go in, kind of play that enforcer role, rebound, and will guard the best four or five on the opposing team. Yeah. Because and that will free up Vooch. So to me, that's, that's what you're looking for. We'll get back to our conclusion of our chat with Joe Cowley in just one minute. But first, today's episode brought to you by those delicious Built Bars. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit, getting in better shape, eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which could be chalky, waxy, or straight up just taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. I know. I've been there. By like week three, you might be thinking, this just isn't worth it. Where is the chocolate? Well, there's your answer. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bar flavors contain just 130 calories, folks. Only 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of carbs. It's a simple idea. Here's an even better idea for the new year. 
Go to all of those secret treat stashes you have. The center console of your car, in the pantry at home, at the office, in that one drawer, at the bottom, wherever it is, throw out all those sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Uh, we're talking with Joe Cowley. Cover the Bulls for the Chicago Sun-Times. Follow him on Twitter at Hoops if you aren't already. Um, Joe, earlier this season, I want to say it was a couple months ago now, you had a one-on-one sit-down with Zach Levine. Uh, yeah. And you you know wrote through that conversation for the Sun-Times. There, there's been a lot uh, on, on Bulls Twitter, it, you know, a talk among Bulls fans that maybe if there's anybody uh, covering this team over the last, you know, four seasons of rebuild with Zach as this organization's face had serious doubts about Zach's abilities to be that guy for a winning team. You were the one asking that question and asking it repeatedly. Right. What I am curious is what was the biggest thing you took away from having that sit down with Zach where maybe you to a certain degree admitted to him, hey, man, I may have been wrong about certain things, but here's why I thought why I did. And what are you all about moving forward? What was the biggest thing in that conversation between you and Zach Levine? Uh, His self-awareness that he was not playing uh, a two-way game to earn that money because he was told that by the guys at the Summer Olympics. And he Mm -hmm. was told that by DeMar when they worked out this summer that, dude, they're going to max you, okay? Mm-hmm. But do you want to be the guy that gets the max? And everyone says, yep, clap, clap, clap. Or do you want to get, get the max? And everyone's like, they gave a one-dimensional player that much money? Because mm-hmm. now, now you're trapped. Now you're trapped. I mean, you either have to rework the roster because of the money you're giving him, or you have to roll out the same guys for next year because Vooch is free agent after next season and say – this has to be good enough as is, and then we'll have to recreate out after that. So his self-awareness to say, I get it. I was not a good defensive player. And it took me going to the Olympics and seeing those guys put that work in, but also talking to those guys and then going out there and playing that role as defensive stopper for team USA, which he did picking up guys, you know, full court and, and, and everything he did. Um, and the thing that I really liked is he said, and and I'm not done. I'm not done getting better at that part of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think his mindset it admittedly always was, I'm on a shitty team. I need to score because it's a shitty team, so I can't waste my energy on defense. And I think mm-hmm. he was missing the big point of, I need to be a two-way player, get my conditioning to a point where I can be a two-way player, and – lead by example and show these dudes, forget the money. I'm the best, I'm the, I'm the best score out here, but I'm also willing to do the dirty work. So guys will follow that a lot more and a lot quicker than they'll follow a guy who's a max guy. You know, I'm Bradley bill. Look at the money I get. Really? What are we winning? But we're trapped because we got this big, ugly contract. Uh, Russell, Russell Westbrook, not a very good defender. You're trapped with that. I mean, how many, if the Lakers didn't trade for him, where else was he going? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, there's just some guys that trap an organization and kind of trap themselves with that mm-hmm. max deal. 
And I didn't want the Bulls making that mistake because at the time I wrote that, it was a mistake. And so, you know, people don't, fans don't know, like, you should trade Levine last year. And if it was last year, I'd say it again. But he has put the work in. There's a self-awareness there. And I like the fact that he told me, and, and it's it's not over with. I'm not done. I'm not done recreating or, or adding to my defensive um, defensive game. And so um, I'm willing to take that ride with him. Now, it may end up being, you know, a great story. And Zach gets to the playoffs the last, you know, four or five years. He's a bull before he moves on, but never gets that chip. Um, and, and that's the thing. Fans don't understand. For me, the, the fan base, I understand that. I don't I don't understand why the bar has been lowered in Chicago in a major market. And I feel like there's too many moral victories. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, you just look at what the the Bears have done to their fan base. I don't know how the the Bulls fans, to me, if if the Bull, if the Bears didn't have the history of nothingness, that's one thing. I mean, '85 is a long time ago. Long time. But but the Bulls had the history of a dynasty. There's a mm-hmm. benchmark there where you say, for six years, we were the greatest team on the planet. To walk away from that for so many years and not keep that bar high is I don't get it as a fan base. So to me, when I'm covering a team, I set the bar. You know, there's only one team I adore, a team right there in the background with that helmet on the top. See that? Subtle, subtle. (laughs) And the standard there is the standard, as Mike Tomlin always says. Mm -hmm. You get to the AFC championship game and lose, it's a disappointing season. When they got to the Super Bowl and lost to Green Bay in, in 2010, to me it was a bust of a season. They didn't win it. That's where the bar set. And so I cover the team with that kind of mindset of, are you making the right moves where the bar is set at a championship? And I still don't know if Maxine Zach Levine sets the bar at a championship. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe there's someone down the road that I don't see that comes to, to be the Bulls. I like the fact of the the mindset of the rest of the league towards the Bulls now. It's not mm-hmm. there's gar, gar packs and it's a shitty place to go play. It's mm-hmm. now, hey, they had Vooch and Zach, and that then they got Lonzo and Demar, who everybody loves Demar. There must be something going on here. There must be mm-hmm. something good going on here. So I like that mindset because that's the kind of culture you want that this is should be a destination place because it should. Mm-hmm. You know that statue out there in, in the atrium says it should be a destination place. So. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to at least take that jump. Now, if he gets an all NBA and now it's a super max, I mean, two, then it goes up, I think two, 240, 248 million. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money on one guy. He's going to have to show me a lot. And I just not, don't Not that if he gets an all NBA nod, that it will absolutely 100% be a that level super max contract. Zach could theoretically. Oh, Zach, yeah, Zach could do whatever he wants. Less. But at yes. the end of the day, Joe, also, it's not my money. It's not your money. It's Greg right. and Jerry's money. If it's about right. winning championships, what do we care if they're operating above the tax line? Well, that's the thing. If I, if I knew that was an ownership group that always operates above the tax line and is willing to pay the penalty. <laughs> Then I'd say, hell with this. <laughs> Who cares? That's a that's a that becomes in the eyes of like Cuban and guys like that, or, or teams that all, the Lakers. To them, that that cap number is fictitious. They don't mm-hmm. care about that. 
The Reinsdorfs have cared about it. That's been their history. Now, maybe that changes. I mean, Michael has changed, has changed the way things have operated. He mm -hmm. now he 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 put a basketball, a great basketball mind in, in, in Arturis Karnasovas in charge and got out of the way. So mm. you pick the coach, you pick the GM, I write the checks. Just you know, tell me if something big is coming. So Maybe that idea of we're the Chicago Bulls. This is the market. It's the, the the second or third biggest market in the NBA. We're going to treat it like that. And hell, if we're above the tax line for for you know three straight years, or I'm paying one one percent and then one and a half, and then whatever it kicks up to, so be it. Look at the stadium. Asses are in the seats. Merchandise is around the world. It's a global brand. Let's do it. Then who cares? Give Zach his money and stuff. I'm, I can only go on the history, and the history with the Reinsdorfs is. They will cross that line. They won't stay across that line because then the penalty kicks in. Yeah, and is that where your worry is with that? Like as far yeah, as yeah, yeah, because then when when you sign a guy for that amount of money, he better be a two way player, especially mm -hmm. if, if he's a backcourt guy. I mean, if it's a wing, it's a different thing. But if it's a backcourt guy, he better be a two way player, and you better have an ownership group that is not only aggressive and understands the window is open now. Windows next year are not promised. And, and and attack it like that, and you better be willing to pay for your mistakes. We brought in this guy. We thought it would work. It didn't. We're going to go back out in the market. If we're across the line getting this guy and we have to pay a penalty, it doesn't matter. We feel like the window is now. Boom, boom, boom. And you have to have that mentality. The teams that have that mentality always seem to be up there and pushing, pushing, pushing. True, true. Now, real quick, I wanted to ask you one thing about Zach. Was it – how you feel about him, you know, getting the Supermax and everything now? Is this something that kind of gradually changed for you over the years? Or was it just what he has done, you know, with Team USA and what you've seen him done this year that you've kind of like, you know what, maybe he is deserving of that? Or, or did he like cross some thresholds and jump some hurdles for him to get there to where you feel like that? Well, when a guy admits to you, yes, I realize that I probably wasn't going to be worth the max the way I was playing. And I needed to change my game. I mean, what was so great about that that article was the conversation was so just barbershop, just kind of he and I, I think we were like kind of in a hallway. Um, they just got done with shoot around. And it was like almost a conversation that he was welcoming to have or wanted to have where you don't see. I, I don't remember covering an athlete who's about to get that kind of payday where he's willing to talk about deserving that payday. There's guys just don't do it. And for him to admit in there that, yeah, maybe I wasn't ready for that, for, for deserving that payday. But what you didn't understand is the work I'm willing to put in now, what I've learned, what I have to become now. And so it was kind of like uh, two guys meeting in the middle and, and him saying, I'm showing you I'm willing to put that work in on the defensive end. You have to be willing to understand that this is a, always a fluid situation and games evolve, and I'm willing to evolve my game. And so that that was the cool thing I thought about that article was that kind of coming together. I'm like, you know, I I, I sit, I saw it in the summer. I see it in your attitude. I see it in the way you're playing right now. You know, back then it was obviously earlier in the season. And he's been look. Is he a lockdown defender? No. They gave him some guys to help do that, but his defense. And just his awareness, the, the as the possession goes on, his awareness right. defensively is so much better. He used right. to just be a, a puppy that watched the ball, and the longer the possession went on, the
the more he lost his man. And now you just see him understanding just when to help, when not to help, and and also when to be physical and when to have some mm. physicality on the ball, which I didn't usually see from him. So, yeah, it, it, he he's evolved. So now he's earned me saying I was wrong thinking that last year. And and the funny thing is, fans take it as well. No, you're wrong because look what he's. No, he's changed his game. So I've changed my mind, and so. That's that's what sports is about. Guys changing their games and changing our minds of what they are. And I know, you know, the, the sewage world of Twitter loves to go, oh, you were wrong about him. You, were, you suck. <laughs> wrong again. Okay, whatever. I was wrong. I, I don't really care. But that conversation was and, – and, again, I've always said that, that Zach Levine is the guy you want to marry your daughter. He is – people think I hate Zach, which is hilarious. He is – Probably one of the nicest guys, legitimate answers your questions. Yeah. That I could, you know, I'm trying to, maybe there are some White Sox guys like that that were just real, but Zach is as good as it comes. And he answers them from the heart. That's not yeah. cliches. There's not bullshit. Um, no, he's great. And I think he and I have always had a really good relationship. And that's why I can do a story like that. I'm thankful that your Bulls voice sounds exactly like the one I use on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> Big Dave has a dumb Bulls guy voice that drives some of our <laughs> listeners crazy, probably because they just are worried inside that it's them. Um, <laughs> Joe, speaking of that uh, digital sewage that is Twitter, I mean, Big Dave and I are on Twitter all day, every day, talking to Bulls fans. Um, there, there are these moments in time where I'm scrolling through my Twitter feed and I see a tweet of yours, and I'm like, oh, Joe's taking the pin out of another metaphorical grenade and just threw it at Bulls fans. Uh, I, I am curious. Look, I don't always agree with your basketball takes and your Bulls takes, but I what I respect is that I always believe that where, where you come from is complete uh, you know, honesty, and this is what I think. What do y'all think? I'm guessing we have some disagreements, but you are completely, you know, free of any reservations or guilt when it comes to having a differing opinion with Bulls fans. Is there some line that you flirt with of, I'm going to say this right now just to trigger Bulls fans because it makes me giggle and, yeah. and, and I enjoy it <laughs> versus, no, I, I believe this and maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but this is what I believe. So I'm going to say it. When you see the gif from the boys of the, yes, of the, of the, the character yeah. throwing the grenades down the hall, yep, yep. that's me going, I'm going to get off Twitter now, I'm going to throw these grenades, and I'm going to let all these idiots fight with each other. And then in the morning, I'll wake up and read how long the fight win as they fight for each other because they think I really give a shit that I'm actually believe this. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, no, I would say, my, and I've made this point a couple times, Twitter doesn't pay me. So I tweet, mm. I, I treat mm. Twitter like a place that doesn't pay me. I don't even like, mm. like sometimes I don't like putting, and, and this comes from my sports editor, Chris DeLuca, who's, who's really, he's got the greatest mindset on this is why are we breaking our news on Twitter? So ideally I would like to get the story written and then put the news on Twitter. So you have to click on the story. There's just sometimes where something goes down, whether Billy announces an injury, and I know everyone else is going to tweet it out, that you have to tweet it out just because you have to do that. You're kind of stuck in that. But ideally, I treat Twitter, and that's why 
I mean, I know you gave my Twitter handle. I don't, you could say, don't follow me. I don't really give a damn to be honest, right. but I, I treat Twitter as a, what's my mood tonight. And there's some nights where, um, Hey, this is the way I feel. And this is honestly how I feel. And then there's some, t- there's some nights I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel this way, but they're suck on this grenade right here. <laughs> and so, and you know, if you read my stuff in the sun times, you know, we are, the beautiful thing is the sun times allows us to write columns and our, pick our, whatever topic we want to write. That's how mostly I feel about things, honestly, because right. I'm getting paid by them to be real. Right. Twitter to me is a, a playground and that's how I treat it. And it's up for the follower. It's, it's up to the followers to decide, does this dude really believe this or is he bullshitting again? That's why, that's what I like Twitter to be. Yeah, I can I can tell I can tell immediately when it's some bullshit. Like when I see it on yours, I'm like, there's no way he believes that he's just really messing with people because I, you know, we read your articles and just from talking to you and knowing you, I'm like, no, he's not like that. But it seems like he's having a good time messing with people when he's throwing this stuff out. I think one of the funniest things I see you do is when you talk about the Knicks. Oh Oh, my god, it gets people so pissed. Man, they will say this the the Tim stuff. Is is I will die on that hill. Mm-hmm. What what this organization did, the narrative that the Bulls did to him, and you, that, you mean that, as far as like the the playing as guys too many minutes leading to injuries, yes, the, yes. the lack of communication and and yes. open and trust and all that stuff from yes. Reinsdorf's statement when they fired him. Yes, I mean that was and and the thing that pissed me off about that is. They did that knowing he couldn't say anything back because they had a clause in his contract that if he was disruptive towards the organization, they don't have to pay him the rest of his money. So Mm. not only did you – I mean, you could have just let a dude go and say, hey, didn't work out. We're firing him. He's going to go his way. But to do that while he's going out the door, you're basically saying we're trying to ruin any future you have as a coach because every interview you're going to have to sit down and do damage control. And the fact that Bulls fans – Fred have completely forgotten Shut what this guy there. what this guy did when he was here with sometimes scrap meat of DJ Augustine and Nate Robinson and mm-hmm. you know Billy Donovan's talked about what he did for Joakim because Billy had Joakim in college mm-hmm. and for him to go to the NBA with such a limited skill set and just be a high motor guy to win not only win defensive player there, which I could see as a, as a high-motor guy, mm-hmm. but to finish fourth in MVP and get all the triple-doubles he did that year and to totally switch your offense from a Derrick-centric offense to now a point center. Point um, center. Didn't it, exist. It, it didn't exist. And for him to do that – and by the way, your point center can't shoot from outside of 15 right. feet. <laughs> right. But but he's still getting triple-doubles. Yeah. Um, so I, I just – I get irked that his narrative is completely wrong. And yes, do I still talk to Tibbs? Yes. Um, I I know a different side of Tibbs and what people see. And, and I think, you know, Casey, guys like that, we all see a different side of that. And I think Casey's defended t- Tom Stay here, not as vehemently as I have, but the idea of the minutes and was hurting players. And I just think it's funny that after he left, an entirely new roster, and it's been years now, and they've been more injured than ever after Tibbs left. Mm. And so, um, look, is he the greatest coach in the world? No, I think he's a top five coach. 
Does he have flaws? Yeah, but I think he's gotten better at covering up those flaws. And that Knicks roster, you look at that Knicks roster, who would you take on that Knicks roster and replace on the Bulls roster in the starting lineup? Mm, Randall. I mean, Randall. I, I was going to say, like, That's this it. time last year, I would absolutely confidently say, give me Julius Randle. Right, and, now, and maybe Barrett. Maybe Barrett, but I don't know where I'm going to play him. I, and I've always just been kind of like meh on RJ Barrett, you know, yeah. like fine player, nothing too special. Randall last year looked amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. And then now this year looks Not frustrated, good. He looks broken. Yep. I, you know, I don't know what's yep. going on with him. So, so um, are, are the Knicks going to get their shit together, Joe? <laughs> is is your? I, I I mean I I think is your you other know, team going to get together and make themselves <laughs> Miami or New, New York? I jump teams right, depending right, on the right, night. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I said last night was like Sophie's choice. We had yeah, Jimmy. We had my stepbrother Jimmy and my stepdad Tibbs. <laughs> uh, bing bong. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so. Um, so no, I I think they will. I don't, you know, and they have a smart front office. They have with Worldwide West in there. They have a lot of context, yeah. different guys. Um, it was a bad off season for free agency. Um, I think they will be players. You know, the 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 trade they made for Reddish was interesting because did you make that trade for something longer down the road? And we all know what that might be. Mm. But if, if, if he's just going to eat his way out of New Orleans and try eating his way to New York, at some point you got to play and you mm -hmm. have to show something. So I, I don't know what the, the long play is, but Tibbs' teams are always going to be competitive and they're always going to be a tough out. What, what player uh, on this Bulls team kind of resonates with you the most and why is it Alex Caruso? <laughs> it's because – it's because he's a white guy playing. No, it's because Tell it, Tell it, <laughs> no, it's because I look at the numbers and I say, how does a dude who's really not a great scorer make such a, an eight point difference on a nightly basis by either playing or not playing? I mean, what I think it's one Oh five to one thirteen is the scoring average. Mm -hmm. That's that's that to me says something. And then when you talk to guys about him, and they talk to you just about, you know, they call him the professor and just how smart he is out there and how good he is at communicating. And how did we not get more of a sense or a sniff of that in L.A.? Mm -hmm. I know why, because he's 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 on the greatest stage playing with the greatest act in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're 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 at Lollapalooza playing on the backstage if you're Caruso. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if you, how good you are. No one's coming to watch that stage. <laughs> so so I get how he was hidden and stuff. But. You know, you know me. I mean, you know, guys like Jimmy Caruso, guys that you didn't see coming and have worked their asses off to become significant at what they do. I'm always attracted to that type of guy because that dude's a foxhole guy, mm -hmm. and that's a dude you want on your team. That's a dude you want next next to you, next to you if it, you know in the foxhole. And the other guy too that that I will say is Lonzo. I didn't know mm -hmm. that much about Lonzo. Because the dad, I think, takes a lot of air out of the room. And I have no problem with the dad is one Love of the greatest him. fathers in the country, as Love far as him. I'm concerned. He got three kids on NBA teams. All millions. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but and people are gonna rip him for that? No. And when you talk to Lamelo or you talk to Lonzo, they are so different from him. They're just like mellow dudes that just want to play ball. Mm -hmm. They're smart, they know what they're good at. They know that their dad is, is the main attraction, you know, come interview time, but they also know that they're own people. Um, 
you know, so so those two to me are the guys that have really resonated and I've said, wow, they're they're fun because they'll do the grimy things. Mm. And I, I like guys like that that will do the grimy things that whatever it takes win mentality. I, I like guys like that. Uh, Joe, a pleasure as always whenever we get a chance to chat uh, and, and talk Bulls in the NBA. Like Joe said, fair warning. If you want to, you can follow him on Twitter, Jake Cowley Hoops. Don't. If you can't handle the grenades, stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> but either way, read his great Bulls coverage for the Chicago Sun-Times. Joe? Until we meet again, sir, thanks for stopping by the pod. Joe Cowley, everybody. Anytime, boys. Until next week, that's it. For Locked Off Bulls, that's Big Dave. I'm Matt. See Red, be good. Peace out, y'all.